Hi there. A quick message before we start. Don't forget that you can save money this winter when you book your ski hire at intersportrent.com and use the code SKIPODCAST. You'll get a guaranteed discount for all ski hire in France, Austria and Switzerland. And to make it even simpler, you don't even need to use that code. Just take the link in the show notes and your basket will automatically be reduced. So if you want to support the Ski Podcast, remember to book your ski hire within support and to use the code Ski Podcast or take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 99 of the Ski Podcast and thanks for joining us, listener. Today we're going to be finding out all about the French ski resort of La Plane and about the ski scene in Ireland. Uh, my name is Ian Martin. I'd like to introduce my guest today. I'm delighted to welcome two first-timers to the show. Uh, regular listeners might recognise Jen Sang's voice as she reported from La Plane in episode 93, but she is live on the show for the first time today. Hi there, Jen. How are you? Hi, yeah, it's really good to be here. Lovely to be in all of your ears. <laughs> <laughs> you are in, in La Plan right now. You said to me in the green room earlier that the weather has turned slightly. What's it looking like out the window just now? Yeah, so it's quite drizzly and wet and grey, overcast today. So I live uh, in an apartment block nine floors up and at the moment you can't see the ground or the mountains. But um, I have been told there's some snow across the valley on Mont Blanc, so it's well received. We say okay, right. So you're literally in the, in the clouds today, and you know you mentioned that snow. I did see that there was snow on the Matterhorn uh, yesterday as well, yesterday morning, and also a bit of snow in the Peak de Midi in the uh, Pyrenees. And and Catherine, uh, welcome to the show. You're slightly nearer to the Pyrenees, but where are you uh, just now? Normally you're in in Dublin, but uh, today. Hi, Ian and Jen. Thanks for having me on the 99th episode. I am in the depths of Catalonia at the moment. I'm about two hours um, away from Baquera Barret in the Catalan Pyrenees. So I'm in the pre-Pyrenees, um, the, okay. the pre-Catalan Pyrenees. Yeah. Okay, excellent. I've, I've skied in Baquera. We've had a couple of features uh, on uh, the show about that before. Um, but, you know, a traditional question I like to ask my guests uh, uh, when they're on is uh, when and where you last uh, skied or when you were last on snow. Let's start with you, Jen. I have a feeling I probably know the answer, but tell us anyway. <laughs> yeah, shockingly, it was in La Plan, yes. <laughs> um, and it was the very last day of the winter season just gone. So that was uh, right at the end of April. It was one of the longest seasons that we've had here in, in well, since I've lived out here, I think. And so 30th of April, and it was fantastic. The snow was brilliant. The end of the season had been very quiet. So the snow had maintained really well for spring skiing. And I had the whole day on the mountain with my kids. I met some friends for lunch and we had a lovely lunch on the mountain, you know, still very scenic. And then did the very last run home with my kids down the beginner run. It was brilliant. And after the lifts closed then, you know, that was it in April. You know, I know the snow, uh, you know, was pretty good at the end of the season. Were there still people out there ski touring and, you know, skiing, but uh, without any lifts? Um, it's less popular this year, I think. I must admit, I escaped quite quickly. As soon as the season finishes, we all kind of disappear and go on holiday and take a well-earned rest after the season finishes. Um, but during the lockdown, when the lifts weren't open, it was quite incredible here, the amount of hiking and touring and things that were happening. You couldn't get a pair of snowshoes on the black market. It was just so popular. <laughs> um, I think it's dropped off a little bit now that the lifts have come back, but there's definitely still more interest in it and a lot more equipment to rent and, and hire and things like that. So it, it's really good to see because it is a 
fantastic way to see the resort. It's just very different, very different experience. Yeah, excellent. And what about you then, Catherine? When were you last on snow? I was last on snow in mid-April in Tina, or Teen as I call it. And I was over to report on Les Etancel Hotel Group. You know, this group that they're really changing the face of accommodation in the resort and with plans to change the face of accommodation in the higher resorts in the French Alps. So they've bought a lot of um, hotel accommodation in Tina, and they're also buying in Valterens and Valterons and uh, Les Arc. I was there a couple of weeks ago, and every time I look, they've bought somewhere new. So I know that one of their uh, investors is is it Gerlin Chichere? He's uh, like a, a free ride skier. Uh, yeah, we, I think we you ski. told me right yeah. in the green room that you got to ski with him. How was that? We got to spend the morning skiing with Gerlin, and it was amazing because he, it was his first time skiing in three years. Really? So it was the last day of my season, and it was the first day of his season, but he hadn't skied for three years. He's got a young family, and he's he's involved in lots of different businesses in the ski industry. And uh, so that was quite interesting. I mean, amazing to ski with somebody. He's, a, I think, a three-time free, free ride world tour champion. Did he take you off any cliff jumps or anything like that? <laughs> no, myself and another journalist stood and watched us. He, uh, he hooked a few cliffs all right. It was a beautiful thing to watch him. And it was great to watch him back on the slopes that he loves so much. You know, that's, that's his native resort. That's that, his that is amazing, though. You're saying to me it's his first day skiing for three years and he genuinely did huck a few cliffs on his first day back then. He, he, oh, he definitely did. Yeah, we watched it. Was, it was amazing. He's, he's, he's quite a guy because he's also raced. He's also been involved in motorsports over the years and uh, he's done some. If you look, look his name up on YouTube, there's some incredible, uh, some incredible exploits, not only on skis, but in, in cars as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I will. I will drop that into the show notes. I have a feeling. Did he? Did he do um, some kind of super jump in a mini in team? Was that exactly, him? exactly. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find that one because that one is amazing. I actually, it's quite, I a, yeah, it's quite spectacular. I yeah. did a presentation a few years ago now at an event called Brighton SEO, and I was talking about you know content in the ski industry, and I use that as one of the examples because it went incredibly viral. Good reasons for that. Uh, now, our last episode was almost a month ago now. And listener, you've probably been aware it's been very, very hot uh, across uh, much of the planet, particularly in Europe. Uh, sadly, uh, glaciers have been melting and closing. The freezing point in Switzerland went up to 5,184 metres measured by uh, a balloon. Now, I'm going to be going to Zermatt, which is sadly uh, closed for skiing at the moment uh, next month. It's a test uh, for me because I'm going to be going out there in a Tesla. Our regular listeners will know that I've been out there uh, to the Alps in an electric vehicle before. So this will be uh, my second test of that. And I'm hoping it will be slightly smoother than last time, which went OK. But I'm going to be talking to uh, the organiser of an event called Speed Opening, which is the downhill races that they're going to be holding in October and November Fingers crossed. Uh, we need the temperature to uh, to drop a little bit more. But I do know it's three months today from the day we're recording on the nineteenth uh, of August uh, until Valterens opens for the season. So uh, you know the ski season is coming imminently. Uh, on the positive side of things, they're having a decent ski season down under. Uh, Team GB telemarker Jasmine Taylor has been based in Mount Hotham in Australia for our summer. And uh, she's been sending us regular uh, updates. So let's have a listen to her latest one. Hello, ski podcast listeners. Um, this is Jasmine Taylor from Mount Hotham in Victoria, Australia. Just giving you a snow report. Um, yeah, we've actually had quite a lot of snow in the last week and plenty of 
bad weather so a mixture of you know like wet heavy snow and the odd bit of rain as well but actually the mountains looking quite healthy and last night we had a really good freeze so snow conditions are pretty good um but yeah sending everybody lots of love from australia and uh, looking forward to getting back to europe soon so the ski season is coming uh, fast, I hope. I mean, that's certainly how I'm feeling about it. Uh, one event to look out for in the lead up to the season is the National Snow Show, which is taking place at the NEC in Birmingham. Uh, you can get free tickets for that if you book them on their website prior to the end of this month by using the code two months. So that's a number two and then uh, months. And if you go along to the show, um, I'll be there. We'll be doing the ski podcast live. I'll have uh, Mike Richards, a regular guest on the show, who will be talking about skiing in Turkey and other special guests to be confirmed. Uh, and also be doing a presentation about that uh, trip out to the Alps in the uh, Tesla as well. Now, let's move on to Jen and have a little chat about uh, La Plan. Uh, you're obviously British, I'm guessing, uh, Jen. How did you end up in La Plan? Um in the same way I think a lot of expats that live out here do, I came here to do just one ski season, um, working for a British tour operator. I, I We'd never done ski holidays or anything as kids growing up. It wasn't something my parents did, so we hadn't kind of fallen into it. But I remember sitting at university watching the Olympics and watching the snowboarding and just thinking that I've got to do that. I've got, I've got to try that. And working a ski season seemed to be the cheapest and easiest way of getting out here because get paid to work and learn to ski at the same time and yeah of course that was what mean nearly 20 years ago now and I'm still here so excellent um, who did who did you work for I worked for Mark Warner um who sadly aren't here in La Plan anymore so they had the, the hotel Christina here and I started off as reception um and worked up quickly to be the resort manager there and then did their summer seasons as well yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I've been to La Plan a couple of times, I've only skied there for a day. I uh, went to visit a friend of mine who was also doing a ski season. But it's always struck me as a bit of a, a complicated resort. I know you've got resorts like uh, like Courcheval that have, you know, the different station, but they're spread along one road going up in the mountain. But La, La Plan has all these different stations, the different villages around uh, uh, the mountain. I wondered if you could kind of just try and explain the geography of it uh, to us. Yeah, sure. I mean, La Plan as a whole um, is 10 villages all kind of connected by roads uh, and the pieces in the winter. So you've got the altitude villages, which kind of start with La Roche and then Plan 1800, Plan Centre, Belcott, Bel Plan. Plan Village, uh, Plan Soleil, and then you go up to AIM 2000. Um, and they're all the ones that are very kind of purpose-built, very skiing, very ski out, very accessible. And then down in the valley, you've got the like Montchavin and Lacoche, Montalbert, and also Champigny as well. Um, really, really beautiful villages, but they are much, much lower down. So their snow conditions are very different to the altitude villages. But then the quality of the accommodation and some of the chalets, the very old farmhouses and things that have been converted. So it can be really beautiful. And just to clarify, Champigny, that's always fascinated me because when I was doing my ski seasons in Courchevel, you could look across the valley there and see mm. the lift going up from uh, Champigny. And the, some people don't realise that those two ski areas, let's say Les Trois-Vallées, Courchevel and La Plane, 
Paradiski are actually really close together. There's just one valley in between there, isn't there? If you were living in Bazel, which lots of people do, it's actually very quick to get to Champagny and then take that lift up into the Laplanski area. Yeah, so we can, from the top of Grand Rochette, which is the main bubble lift from Plan Centre, you can look across to you can look across to um, Courchevel and see the airstrip, but you can also see the peaks of Teen and, of course, over to Les Arc. It's really quite incredible. You, the resorts are so much closer than you realise. Um, but then considering Champagny is part of our resort, when I worked at Mark Warner, we still get staff who would get stuck down there who would have missed the last lift home or something, for example, and would need picking up. And to get there by road takes hours <laughs> it takes a really long time in the winter whereas you could ski over there really quickly you know it's very deceiving i think yeah always one of those things to warn guests and apparently staff about uh, as well if you get tempted mm -hmm. by that uh, long descent down there and i referred to the paradiski uh, ski area which you know in itself is certainly one of the largest in the world i don't know exactly where it appears on the list but that that comes uh, has come about but but because of the link between la plan and Les Arcs, which I'm thinking has probably happened during the time that you're uh, in resort. I can't remember when that lift uh, uh, opened. Is it the Vanoise Express? Is the Vanoise. So the Vanoise Express, yeah. It's the biggest um, cable car, I think, in the world. It's like 200 people, and there's two of them that go back and forward alternately, and it's about five-minute crossing. And it is quite incredible because you are going across the valley, so it's quite dramatic. Um, I'm not sure how long it's been open. It was open before I got here in 2005 and six. It has shut for a couple of seasons in the middle. They had some technical problems with the cables and things one year. But otherwise, yeah, it's open and running. Yeah, well, I should have checked my facts before I came on. Classic <laughs> error there. But, you know, with that, do you think that it's it's realistic to be skiing in La Plan and then get over and ski in, in Les Arcs? You said it only takes five minutes, or is it really like a full day out to do that? I honestly think it's a full day out because you want to make the most of it. You're buying the lift pass to go and explore the full area. I mean, I'm in Plan Centre here, and to get from Plan Centre to the Vanoirs to head over to Les Arcs, maybe take 30 to 40 minutes of like comfortable skiing and then you're over in Lazark explore for the day that's fine but to come back the lift the way the lifts kind of connect to one another to come back from the drop-off point of the Vanoise to get back to plant center actually takes more like an hour and a half to two hours almost because you've got to get about four or five lifts to get back up and over the, uh, the mountains to get back so it's 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 a full day commitment so we often get beginner skiers asking if they'll be able to get over there or people who've got their kids at ski school who want to go over and come back and it's it's not really doable unless you're just flying there and flying back and not enjoying it yeah okay okay that's interesting and in relation to the planet itself i said i skied there and i did ski with someone who's working a season so I, I was guided round, and we had a brilliant day skiing and we spent most of our time off piece and i think that um one of the things that he was saying to me is that you know La Plan is kind of overlooked by a lot of experienced skiers because it tends to have this reputation as a you know a family resort a family ski area but in fact there's lots and lots of uh, testing good skiing that doesn't get skied out immediately as it would do in some other places like for example Chamonix or Courchevel or whatever and you could be going there days after fresh snow and still get uh, fresh tracks is that is that true or is that just a, a rumor that uh, Laplan people like to spread <laughs> I want to tell you it's true but then everyone else is going to know about it and come here <laughs> but yeah it is it is really good I mean the 
La Plana, you know, it's not one of the most beautiful resorts. It's purpose built. So it's very high rise. It's not that chocolate box kind of ski resort. But the benefit of that is that the skiing is so incredibly accessible and that goes for the piste skiing and the off-piste skiing as well. So it does mean you can get out and really explore and hike and things to places, like you say, that don't get kind of trekked out, you know, the day that the snow has arrived. Um, having said that, I haven't had the chance to explore it as much as I would like since having uh, two small children. So I kind of watch enviously <laughs> as the faces get the first lines down them. Um, but I, I'd hope to be back out there a bit more this winter, fingers crossed. And, you know, you mentioned the winter, but obviously it's a year round uh, resort. You live there uh, year round. There's no summer skiing in the plan. But what what's the summer season like? Is it a very short summer season? Yeah, I think, I mean, the weather is definitely not a short summer season. You know, it's hot and beautiful from kind of mid-May, I would say. Um, but the actual season opening for, for people to come and visit is eight weeks max, really, kind of July and August. But it was a very slow start to the summer this year. I think um, the French holidays kind of started a little bit ahead of the UK school holidays. But we really didn't kind of pick up guest numbers in resort until late July, I think. And then August has been booming. Like a lot of resorts, La Plan has trail running uh, on offer, which has always been interesting to me. There is a uh, famous event called the, uh, in English, 6000 uh, D uh, trail race. Uh, mm. I think you took part in maybe not that one, but one of the other events associated with it uh, this summer. Yeah, I did. The, so was it? two weeks or so ago now I did the um Decouverte one which is 11 kilometers and it's uh, it starts in Plan Centre and it loops up and down through three or four of the different villages so there's a lot of elevation kind of up and down climbing but it's brilliant we were quite concerned because it was when it was scheduled it was for the middle of the big heat wave that was coming through so the temperatures even up here in resort were kind of mid 30s and things it was it was incredibly hot but fortunately the temperatures just dropped a couple of days beforehand and we had a little bit of rain which kind of freshened all the trails up and, and uh, the big race itself then that it's called like a uh, you know seamill day or 6000 day because it's taking in 6000 meters of up and down is it yeah it's absolutely massive i think it's about i think i'm going to get tested on my my maths here but i think it's 67 kilometers distance the, yeah. the main big race and it starts in the valley in aim at about five in the morning so all the runners are in head torches it's pitch black and then they head up the valley and they go up through all the different villages they come up the bobsleigh track which is obviously oh, yeah. not coming in the summer so they run up the bobsleigh track <laughs> and then they come through all the villages all the way up to the glacier and then back down <laughs> so it's pretty incredible Right, yeah. Well, that's a, strangely, that's the sort of thing that appeals to me. It's on my list uh, for something to try at one point. Uh, you mentioned the bobsleigh just then. Uh, you know, normally uh, it was it was used uh, in the Winter Olympics 1992, hosted it at Albeville, I think, for the uh, for the yeah. bobsleigh event. But holidaymakers can now uh, try it as well. I don't think it's quite the same bobsleigh that they use in the Olympics. But have you ever done that before? Absolutely. You can't live in La Plan and not do the bobsleigh, <laughs> for sure. Um, it does, they do use the racing bobs as well. There's a couple of different options you can do. So there's one that is called the, uh, it used to be called the raft, bob raft. And it looks, unfortunately, like a glorified bathtub. It's very clunky. It's not aerodynamic and it's a lot slower. And that one you can go in, there's four of you at a time, but there's no driver or anything. So it's a little bit, sl I say, slower. 
it's still pretty fast. Um, and then there's a single one that's more like a luge, which is pretty fun. And then the really fast one is the racing one. And that is with the professional driver. And that's when you're really in the kind of Bob experience. It's quite incredible because the professional drivers are all the competitors, you know, the French champions and national champions and things. So you really are getting that that full kind of immersion experience. It's pretty okay, exciting. and you, you, you feel those forces as you go around the bends, do you? The G-force is like nothing I've ever felt before. It starts the, at the start of the track. It's like 1.5 kilometers down. And at the start of the track, it feels just like a roller coaster. And you just think, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. This is cool. And then all of a sudden, about four or five bends in, you cannot move. The G-force is just on another level to anything else that I've done. And you really are kind of getting whipped around the corners quite dramatically. And, and they tell you your speed at the bottom. So every time the track is used and, and uh, Bob is on there, it records the speed that you've come down at and how long it's taken you to come down and things. And you can you know, you can buy your video of you all doing it and stuff like that. It's, it is a lot, a lot of fun. It's very, very popular in the winter because you can't do it. You can't do it anywhere else. I think in France, and I think it's quite rare outside of France as well that you because they still use the track for professional competitions as well so quite often at the start of the winter here they'll have like European championships and world championships and things happening they have a lot of the armed forces come here and do their inter-force competitions and things as well so it's pretty amazing that you can just hop on as a as a holiday maker and and do it <laughs> Cool. Well, that's brilliant. I can't believe I haven't done it because I've tried, you know, lots of the different uh, uh, um, adrenaline uh, raising events uh, in the out. So that one's got to go onto my list. That's brilliant, Jen. Thanks for that uh, La Plan update. Found it really interesting, and I'm hoping that you'll be able to give us some snow reports uh, through the winter as well. Let us know how things are progressing in resort. Yeah, hundred percent. And we definitely have to get you skiing in La Plan again soon. Cool. Excellent. Come to you uh, now, uh, Catherine. I saw you nodding there when uh, Jem was talking about the bobsleigh. Have you tried it yourself? I have indeed. I've done it a couple of times. It's absolutely, it's just great fun. I've been on the raft with people who are terrified. And of course, you have to pick the, the place on the raft where you want to sit for the best, uh, for the biggest force. Isn't that right, Jen? Absolutely, <laughs> so yeah. You've got to fight over the front and back spots. <laughs> so exactly. is, that, is that the key then, front and back? Those are the best places to be? Oh, I like the front because you can see a little bit more of where you're going and, and I like that. But I think at the back, you get whipped around get, a bit more. You get, yeah, you get knocked around a little bit more. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the whole point. That's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, Catherine, um, I wanted to have you on the show because we've, we've met at various events before and, you know, yeah. you, you're, uh, you're in Spain at the moment. But it, to, in my mind, you represent the Irish uh, skiing yeah. community. And to a lot of uh, British people, you know, they don't necessarily think of uh, Ireland as being a, a ski uh, country. I wondered how you got into uh, skiing. Well, Ian, I was a rookie uh, news reporter for a Dublin newspaper. I'm not sure I want to say how many years ago it was, but it was it was 1990. And um, <laughs> I was basically asked to do an article about where Irish people should take their holidays. I interviewed a travel agent. They said to me, oh, you have to write about skiing. It's the best fun. It's amazing. It's, it's just a great holiday. And that person's enthusiasm was just infectious. And I said, I'm going to try that. I wasn't 40 at all. I was bookish in those days. And uh, I booked, at that stage, we did have a dry ski slope in Kilternan, County Dublin. And I booked my first four lessons on the dry slope. And that's where I learned to ski. So, sorry, you said there was a dry slope. Where is that dry slope? First of all, we got a, a ski club of Ireland in 1964. And in 1974, they moved to where they still are. It's Kilternan in County Dublin. It's in the foothills of the Wicklow Mountains, as we call them. 
Um, our highest peak in Ireland is just over a thousand meters. So we don't have high enough mountains to have enough snow to ski, at least not very often. Are there any other dry slopes there in Ireland? No, that that's it. Um, so just I, just the one. So there, a lot of the community's got to be based around that. And you said that you know the ski club of Ireland, you know, has started up. We did have um, regular listeners will remember back in episode seventy-seven, uh, we had uh, a, a great feature um, about skiing in Ireland, uh, which covered the Mourne Mountains and and Errigal in uh, in Donegal. Have you ever actually skied on snow in Ireland? I've managed it twice, Ian. Um, back in 2009, 2010, we had a lot of snow and we managed, it was just we were getting into skinning and ski touring, so we managed to skin up on two occasions in County Wicklow, next to Dublin. So skinning up and skiing back down, it wasn't quite verbier, but it was it was good fun and it was, it was just great to get your skis on in Ireland, yeah. For so. sure. I mean, I mean, I'm guessing that doesn't happen very often. How high were those peaks that you're going to in County Wicklow then? Oh, there, oh, there's a question. I should have done my homework before I came on the show as well. Um, not much over, probably a thousand feet or a, a bit more than that, I guess. Right. But, so yeah. that clearly was a, a good winter, uh, that one, for sure. Uh, yeah. And, and, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the ski club of uh, Ireland. It's been based in Kilturnan. Uh, uh, yeah, but there you go. I've got it now. Uh, you know, that's kind of driven by volunteers, is it? Or is it uh, like a, a business? It's- it's totally driven by it. They've got 150 volunteers. I think it's 90 ski instructor volunteers and the rest between, you know, reception staff and booking people in for lessons and giving fitting skis and boots and all that kind of stuff. So 150 people, there's a huge amount of energy and community effort that goes into uh, maintaining the ski club. They've been there in the same place for almost 50 years. They do get some support from the government. They're, they're getting a grant this year to replace the, uh, the Dendex, I believe it's called, on one yep. of the slopes. But yeah, it's run completely by volunteers. They've they've done something like fifteen thousand lessons. They had a record season um, last winter. So there's a whole new era of Irish skiing. Well, I mean that's really good to hear. I mean, in terms of uh, booking, you know, holidays, I think uh, you know Tui Crystal have always uh, operated flights out of Dublin. But there aren't many other companies who do that. I don't think. Does it? Does that mean that Irish people sometimes have to fly to the? to the UK or are they always doing uh, holidays independently uh, outside of the, the flight package? No, not at all. We've for many, many years, we've had a, a native Irish company called Top Flight. Uh, Tony Collins was the, is still the owner there. And he's been very uh, instrumental in improving the, or developing the image of skiing in Ireland. So they would be our main tour operator from Dublin and Cork. And we also then have directski.com which you'll probably remember operated in the UK during the boom years, and they're still operating out of Ireland again, Dublin and Cork. And as you say, we have Crystal um, Ski. They have a Dublin and Irish operation. And we also have a one-stop ski shop now, an online platform called Mountain People. A company is run by a young Irish guy, Fiacre Diskin, and his brother, I think. And they're just passionate about skiing. So you can do everything. You can book flights, accommodation, ski hire, all that stuff. We also get a lot of people coming to Dublin from Northern Ireland to fly with the Irish tour ops or just to take scheduled flights because of the favourable exchange rate. So that's quite a thing as well. But you also, you do, you know, we only need to fly out of London if we feel like it, if, if we want to, you know. Um, yeah, there's absolutely no problem flying out of, out of Dublin at all. Excellent. Right? And, and so what sort of size, would you, would you have any idea what size the, uh, the, the market is in the, in the Republic of Ireland? It's it's difficult to get concrete figures on that. Someone was estimated around 100,000 
uh, ski trips a year. We're a small country. We're a population in the Republic of Ireland of 5.1 million at the moment, I think. I always estimate that per capita it's similar to figures from, from the UK. That's what I like to say. Of course, we have airlines, our national airline, Aer Lingus and Ryanair and Swiss operated flights to Munich, Geneva, uh, Milan, Turin, all those places. So it's quite difficult to, to bring the figures together. We also have a schools program, Top Flight for Schools, so a lot of student groups heading out as well. So good. Are there are there kind of resorts that the um, the Irish you know ski scene favour in Europe? Absolutely, the Irish market is a bit different to the British market in that Austria is our number one destination still. France is definitely catching up as our market matures, but Irish people tend to pick a resort they like and keep going back. Uh, we're always trying to get them to try new places. So the Irish love, they love the Austrian resorts, the smaller villages, the family-run hotels, the sense of community, um, which you also have in Italy and France, of course, as well in Switzerland. So they love places like St. Johan, Westendorf for beginners, uh, Sol or Sol, as I call it. Uh, Sol has a big Irish connection. They have a St. Patrick's Day parade in the middle of March. Right. which is Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and in 2023, they're going to hold a, the Ski and Rock Music Festival um, in the resort in March to, to coincide with St. Paddy's Day, I believe, St. Patrick's Day. So, yeah, they've got a, a big a big Irish connection going on, yeah. Excellent. Is that the most popular week for going away? Do, you know, is, that a, is that a typical week for people to you know, take uh, some time off and go skiing? I think it's a popular one later season because we've got a bank holiday, we've got a day off from work for St. Patrick's Day, so it means people have to take fewer holidays. And uh, the season's just gone. We had an extra bank holiday, so it was great for, for people. But no, we have our we have our usual midterm uh, rush in, the same as the same as the UK. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's obviously a huge difference between um, the UK and Ireland in terms of skiing, in that uh, I have to say I'm very jealous that you're still members of the EU over there. So your passport allows you all over the place um, without any uh, issues at all. But I think that has affected the Irish uh, ski scene as well, hasn't it? Both from an instructor point of view and also from a recruitment point of view for, for British companies. Absolutely. Um, so basically in the 80s, um, a number of people who were involved in the ski club set up the Irish Association of Ski Instructors. It's now called the Irish Association of Snow Sports Instructors, IAZ. And since Brexit, basically what's been happening is uh, some instructors who want to continue to work in European resorts have joined IAZ. And it's been quite interesting to watch. You know, it's, it's quite an interesting development. Suddenly the numbers of the associa association swelled to hundreds of, of members. And what you'll find now in different resorts in Europe is that the IAZ course qualification is taught. You'll find no, none other than Warren Smith and Verbier teaches right. the IAZ course, both in Verbier and in Trevinia. And you'll also find it being taught in places like Bacara Barret and in some Austrian res resorts. So that's been an interesting development. Um, the Irish market is different to the English market in the sense that we don't have that culture of gap year ski season. We just haven't had it. But I think that is starting to change. There's been something like 30 new ski instructors who've qualified at the Ski Club in Ireland in the last season. So you can now, students, teenagers can now do as their transition year in school. We have uh, the President's Award, the Gashka Award, it's called. So you can do your ski instructor qualification as part of that. So I think we're going to see more Irish uh, people in their 20s coming on board and wanting to do their gap year ski season. But in terms of recruitment, I was just chatting to Dan Fox from Ski Weekends. He is involved in lobbying and recruitment as well with, um, what's the name of his group? S it's S yeah, exactly. And he was saying 
They would love to recruit more Irish um, staff for chalets and in-resort staff, but there's a dearth of them. He was saying, obviously, for, for English people who want to go and do a seasonal work resort, it is viable, it is doable, but it's a lengthy, drawn-out, quite complex process. And he said it's quite painful, whereas hiring an Irish person to go work in resort is it's easy. And so he was saying, yeah, they'd love to recruit more Irish people, but they're not getting the applications. So the word needs to go out to young Irish people. Get off and do your ski season. It's, it's a great thing to do. Uh, well, absolutely. And um, well, we can put the word out here. I don't know how many Irish listeners uh, we have, but I know we have listeners from all over the world. Uh, quite a lot in the States. They always have lots of good connections uh, with Ireland. So young Irish people, if you're listening, go <laughs> off and do a ski season because uh, I wouldn't say you're guaranteed a job, but with a combination of some hospitality skills and the uh, the marvellous crack that the Irish are known for, then uh, you'll be able to, uh, to get a job uh, out in the Alps. That, that is brilliant, Catherine. That's really interesting. Uh, and thanks very much for, uh, for giving us your time today. Thanks a lot, Ian. Cool. We're going to move towards a close now. Um, now, I enjoy all feedback about the show. So please do get in contact uh, on social or email the ski podcast at gmail.com. Uh, word uh, to Andrew Brannan, who contacted us via Facebook saying thanks for the podcast. Uh, regular listeners will also know we had a survey recently. I posted all of those results uh, online and I've got, there were so many comments on there. I couldn't possibly reply to all of them. Um, but a few of them that were mentioned uh, in terms of feedback. Uh, less inane wittering from industry PR types, please. I'll do my best uh, for that. You know, I like to have people on the show to talk about destinations. I try, I can't control exactly what they say, but I'll avoid those uh, uh the wittering if possible uh ian handles the interviews really well precision informality i uh, look forward to every episode thank you uh, can you get lindsay vaughn on unlikely but i'll do my best uh i've spent the last season as a rep and i've learned a lot from the podcast and appreciate the good work well i'm delighted to hear it if you're out doing doing a ski season uh, please tell your friends about the uh, podcast as well and I love what you're doing to promote the ski industry and sustainable skiing. Well, I do my best uh, in that respect. And hopefully there'll be some more on that after I've uh, come back uh, from the, the Tesla test trip to uh, Zermatt. Uh, and finally, I'd like to uh, thank Rob uh, from Northwich, who uh, bought me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast with his very poetic uh, comment where he said, um, as a child, I had my head in the clouds. Now, with your help, I can keep my head in the mountains. Uh, that is a lovely uh, sentiment, Rob. I really appreciate that and the coffees that you bought me as well. Now, you can follow me at Skipedia and the podcast at The Ski Podcast on social media. But for now, I'd like to thank Switzerland Tourism for sponsoring the show and thank my guest today, Jen. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being here with both of you. Excellent. And Catherine? Thanks, Ian, for having myself and my microphone along today. <laughs> and finally listener uh, thank you for joining us and until next time which will be our 100th episode goodbye thanks for listening to this episode of the ski podcast don't forget that if you want to support the podcast, then remember to book your ski hire with Intersport and use the code SKI PODCAST or simply take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Thanks again and have a great winter.